Hello everybody and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. I am sat here with Andy Proudman on the driving range at the Grand in Southern California. Oh, the sun is out. It's January by the way. It's and January. It's, very, very nice it's a Friday and we're about to go to the third round of the uh, Farmers Insurance Open at, uh, sorry, Torrey Pines. And Aaron at the moment is currently in sixth position. So we're going there obviously, hopefully he has a great next two days. But what we want to do with this podcast, we wanted to actually give you some real value on how you can shoot your best scores when you are playing a lot of golf and maybe everything isn't going exactly as you plan. So how can you get the most out of your games of golf? How can you manage yourselves? Because ultimately Aaron's now on the tour and he's going from week to week playing tournaments. He can't have two weeks of practice in between tournaments unless he's on a break. So he's very much having to manage it. So we thought we'd share some of the things that we've done with Aaron that are helping him manage his game, which can definitely help you with your game. Yeah, and these were on Monday, Tuesday, the practice days here at mm -hmm. Torrey Pines. And I think a lot of people think with, you know, some of the best players in the world, they must be working on all these technical, really detailed things. But the reason we want to do this today is just to share with you how simple you can simple. make it in order to get the most out of your round. Now, two days before a tournament, it's not really the, ch the time to make changes. Shallow the golf swing. Yeah, or we flex the lead <laughs> wrist, do this, do this, because it's going to completely mess you up. Potentially, unless it's going horribly wrong, then it might be worth changing it. But we want to just share a couple of simple things that we've looked at with Aaron to help him really manage what he's got now to shoot the best score. Because that's what it's all about. And I think so many golfers get out there on a Saturday or whatever day it is, and they they are trying to fix and change their game or change their swing in a round of golf. And what we're so passionate about, well, is like, well, look, if you're turning up on a Saturday, work with what you've got with your game. How are you going to get the golf ball in the hole in as least shots possible with the game you've got that day? Because you are not making changes on yeah. that day. You're not making changes on the golf course. So you've got to be prepare yourself to really get the most out of it. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got four things we're actually going to talk about. And you know us, by the time we finish, it might be 10 things. <laughs> but first thing, putting. Now this is an interesting one because he's been doing some work on his putting stroke with Phil Kenyon and a little bit with ourselves. And he's actually changed the pace of his putting stroke quite a bit. But obviously he's gone a little bit too much maybe in the other direction. And the direction he's gone in is something that we'll often see amateur golfers do, won't we? Yeah, so yeah, the, the, the main change that Aaron sort of made is was lengthening the stroke um, and smoothing it out, smoothing yeah. the acceleration out really. That was very short and fast and a lot of acceleration, which we see in a lot of amateur golfers, mm -hmm. almost too much. They're really accelerating through the golf ball. Um, so Aaron really lengthened it out and smoothened the whole thing out. Um, and with amateur golfers, one thing that we always see so often, and we hear the question a lot is, my putter's moving around in the backswing. It's wobbling. sort of wobbling, wobbling. wobbling around. How can I control it? And the often, often the answer to that question is in the speed, because the more you're noticing the, the wobbling around, the slower it is and the more controlled you're trying to go. Mm. So what we really like to see in the, uh, the putting stroke is a brisk backswing. And you're gonna notice a lot of the best players in the world, their backswing's quite fast. It's fairly long and smooth. You know, they're not accelerating uh, massively, but they've got this sort of quick, brisk stroke. So if you're feeling that you're on the golf course and you're trying to control the putt ahead and your focus is on the, what the club's doing, often that leads to too much control, too much tension, and it's very hard to judge pace from, that, pace from there as well. So we would say, have a look at your stroke and think, is there room for a brisker backswing? That's gonna help the putter swing a little bit more freely, less wobbling around, more face um, stability, and a lot more feel as well, really. It's a very simple thing that, 
think I've slipped into it maybe sometimes in the past, getting too slow a control. Yep. Um, but it's uh, I think if amateur golfers do, do it, they're not thinking so much about the putter as well. Think think about the best putters that you've seen. Think about Tiger Woods. Think about Jason Day. And I know Jason Day definitely works at this. He works at his tempo. But you think about their their putting strokes. They're quite you know they're they're brisk, aren't they? They are brisk, especially when they're on those shorter putts. You know you can see that there's not a lot of they're not wasting a lot of time over the ball as far as the journey the putter's taking backwards and forwards. Okay, so that's the first one. Be mindful of that. And yep. that's, that's something that, if we look at what Aaron's done in his last two rounds, I think he's had 14 birdies. He's 14 under par for his last four, uh, his last two rounds. And he's actually dropped five shots, but it just shows the importance of making birdies on the PJ Tour. And it shows you how his putting has improved. So, okay, second one is, this is, a, this is an important one because we, we often talk about when you're playing a lot of golf and you've just got to get by that you should be aiming your ball flight as opposed to aiming to play a straight shot or aiming to play the shot you'd like to play. So in Aaron's case at the moment, he's got a bit of a fade going on. That's his natural shot at the moment, a fade. So as opposed to working against that, now we see it all the time and I think of Big Daz, one of our um, friends who we play golf with and he hasn't played golf for two months. He gets on the first tee and tries to hit a draw when he's got this big slice going on, guess what? He's not going to play good golf from there. So when you have a predominant shot, your best bet, especially when you're playing a lot of golf, is just to allow for it. So if you're fading it, peg it up on the right-hand side of the tee and hit it down the left and allow it to come back. And that's what, yeah. that's what we were seeing with Aaron, wasn't it? The other yeah, day? yeah, definitely. And if you get onto the, the, the range before you go out there, or even the day before, and you're seeing a pattern and a tendency that's a little fade, maybe the miss is to the right, well, look, if you've got a tight flag that's to the right with danger or water to the, to the right of that, make sure you put that into your strategy. All it is is giving yourself a bit of room for error to go, well, you are going to hit some bad shots. What's the tendency going to be? What's the likelihood of it missing in what direction? And then add yourself a little bit of, let's say, meat on the bone in terms of your landing spots. So you might, instead of aiming five yards left of the flag, you may want to give yourself 10 yards left of the flag. So if you overfade it, it's actually still going to be in a, a better place or if you overdraw it it's still going to be in a better place so instead of aiming your and I see it all the time Piers we're just filming here at the Grand the last couple of days watching people come through everybody's aiming or trying to aim straight standing in the middle of the tee standing in the middle of the tee where the tee's pointing hoping to hit the straight shot instead hmm. of going well what what's in front of me what's my tendency let me put a little bit of aim into the strategy so if I do miss the shot which is likely to happen for a lot of us then where's it going to be it's going to be in a safer place and I don't see enough people doing that and I think the key thing to remember is aim your ball flight not your body if you think about that that's going to make a big difference yeah yeah absolutely and it, look, you think about some of the the guys out there who are predictable <coughs> John Rahm is obviously very predictable he likes to play a fade another Spanish golfer Sevi Ballesteros would often get on the range hit shots and then go, oh, I'm fading it today. That's what I'll take to the golf course. Big yeah, Trevino was, was very open. Yeah. You've got um, Bubba Watson, he stands well open. He's not aiming his body, he's aiming his flight of the yeah, golf ball. Absolutely. Fred Couples as well. Yeah. Okay, so next one would be um, tee shot strategy. Now this is interesting with Aaron because as you may well know that Aaron is a very accurate hitter. Sometimes though that makes him have to make sure and guarantee that he is safe and he is sometimes guilty of not taking some risks off the tee. So what we're saying with this is that there are times when playing out of the rough with a wedge is better than playing out of the fairway with a five iron. So you may look at a particular hole and go, well, okay, this is, so this is the strategy I would say. So if you get on the tee and go, well, if I were to miss the fairway to the right because I'm fading it, would I still be okay? 
would my shot be okay? Is it safe enough for me to play a wedge, a nine iron or an eight iron out of that semi-rough on the right-hand side? And if it is, then it's, it's, it's okay to miss the fairway then because you know that you've got a safe area to miss it in. Obviously, if it's a lot of trouble down that right where you think your driver's gonna go and there's more likely, there's a good a likelihood chance that it would go there, then you can get four iron out and then you can obviously play it that way. But that's something that I think, you know, amateur golfers generally won't consider when they when they stand on the tee, will they? Just wanted to let you guys know that we now have the Me and My Golf app ready for you to access myself and Pierce wherever you are on the go, even if you're at the range. This includes all of our best tips and content as well as the coaching plans. And we also have a great video analysis tool where you can record your golf swing and analyze your swing using the tools in the app. So make sure you check it out. Search for Me and My Golf in the App Store and we look forward to helping you wherever you are. Let's get back to the podcast. I don't think that I don't think most amateur golfers think a lot about strategy off the <laughs> well, tee. We just told them that we just said that they don't even think about playing for a fade. So you're definitely well, no. not going to think on those things. Well, well it's, it is though, isn't it? It's mm. just assessing really. I think the the difference again with the, the difference with the best players in the world is the, the the thinking, the level of detail with their thinking as well. They're on the tee and they're asking the right questions. Where's the danger? Where do I want to miss it? What's over here? If I miss it left, what's it like there? They're asking all these questions where amateur golfers get on the tee, they see it's a par four, don't really ask themselves any questions, pull the club out and then they go and then they hit it in the bunker and they go, oh, I hit a bad shot there. When actually it was maybe not necessarily a bad shot, it might have been a poor strategy because they hadn't asked the right questions. Yeah. So yeah. I think the key thing for you, for, for you, with the message with this is just when you're on the par four and you're thinking about that tee shot, ask the questions, go through a series of questions and well, what's the danger here? Can I hit driver? If I hit it in the rough, have I got a wedge out still, which is absolutely fine. Do I need to put it in play on the fairway here? There's just a few questions that you probably just need to ask yourself. Yeah, yeah definitely. And this, this brings us into the fourth one, which is again, assessing where the danger would be on your approach shots. So if you think about, you know, what we're talking about here is again, we're talking about strategy. So a lot of golfers will have walk off with a double bogey. Now, when you have a double bogey, triple bogey or a high score, is that really because you played bad shots or is it because you had a bad strategy? Majority, as we said, will label it to a bad shot. But if we think about, let's just go to what Andy was talking about earlier with a, a flag on the, with the right hand side of the green, there's water on the right. So straight away, your assessment should be, it is okay to miss the green to the left. It is okay to be on the left side of the green. You know, we were driving down to do some filming this morning in the 11th hole here at the Grand. The flag is back left. And we're going, I wonder how many golfers today are gonna to go for that <laughs> yeah. flag. You are a crazy person if you go for that flag because it's got double bogey written all over it unless you've got a, an amazing short game. So, and look, the best players are very good at this. They're very good at judging when they can go for a flag and when they can't. And again, it will depend on their tendency. If you're fading it and there's a flag back right, hit it down the left-hand side of the green and it could well fade back to the, to, to the flag. Do you know what? And sometimes you don't actually need to aim for the green. <laughs> I'm just thinking of certain holes where I'm thinking back to... to um, Spieth. Not Spieth, no, I'm thinking back to Kiwa Island. Oh yeah. And you've got 17th hole there, par three, really, really hard. Water all the way up and down the right. You don't want to miss it short, you don't want to miss it right. Into the breeze. A lot of people are going to make double on that hole. And a lot of the professionals, the tour pros, were aiming for the front left bunker mm. to go, well, if I hit it in that front left bunker, I've got a chance of a par, but I'm probably not going to make double bogey from there. So sometimes they're not even aiming for the green and yeah. that's sometimes a good thing. Do you know what, if they aim for the bunker and they missed it right, they're on the green. So they're taking out the, they're taking out the likelihood of really having a real bad score 
and it's okay to sometimes aim to miss the green. It sounds strange for amateur <laughs> golfers to think of that. Well, surely you've got to aim for the green. You haven't always got to do it, because remember, sometimes you hit a bad shot, it can go closer to the hole. So sometimes, sometimes aiming for a greenside bunker or aiming to miss the green on the right might leave you a simple up and down, which actually is a lot less risky than um, you know, dropping it in the water and taking on an aggressive line. And, that, and that's, that's, that kind of leads to the next point in that you could actually go, well, if you worked hard at your bunkers potentially, became a good bunker player or a good chip shot player out of rough, you know, you can then suddenly go, well, it's okay now, I can yeah. actually go for this. And this is, if we look at someone like Phil Mickelson, you will often say that he is, a lot of people will say he's the most attacking golfer out there. The reality is he's probably only gonna go between nine and 14 flags he's gonna go for. I mean, 14 sounds like a lot, but he won't go for everything. He, he's, he's, he's not that gung-ho. But the reason he is <laughs> gung-ho. Gung -ho, Probably never heard of that. Have you heard of that one before? I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, it's just a funny, it's funny a, saying. It's even better when you put that one from this morning. I have no idea. I have no idea. But if, um, yes, you don't need to be as gung ho. But no, if Mickelson, uh, if you can back it up with a really good short game, then you're more inclined to go for it. And this is something, again, we don't mind showing this, that with Aaron, Aaron has become better at attacking flags now because he is getting better with his short game. We have to understand that Aaron got to the challenge tour, so really good tour lots of really good scores being shot to win tournaments, 20 under, uh, you know, and more. And he didn't really, wasn't that good out the rough and he wasn't really good at chipping because he was just always hitting shots from the fairway because he was always hitting the fairway and he was hitting shots onto the green. So he was a really good lag putter, a really good iron player, accurate and a really good straight driver. But what's happened now is as he's had to cope with the tougher golf courses, lower scores, that he's suddenly now developed a better short game. And once your short game becomes better, you'll be more likely to go for the flags. Yeah, some, some key points there. And I think, look, we wanted to share a little bit of what we did with Aaron there because also I think a lot of people try and make it a lot harder than it needs to be. And ultimately, the message that we want to sort of give pass over to you guys today is that whatever you have that day when you go into the golf course, play with it. Yeah. Your job on the golf course is to just figure out how to get the golf ball in the hole. If that's you aiming 30 yards left, that's absolutely fine. Yes. You don't need to play to hit the perfect shot. You just need to play to hit the right shot for you. And I think that's the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, th and, th and this is really important because every top level player will do exactly the same, bar none, unless they're out of contention. We've heard Henrik Stenson before tell us that if he's, missed, if he's, if he's made the cut, but he's got no chance of winning <laughs> the tournament, he starts practicing. But that's only because he's got enough money in the bank and he's okay, yeah? He doesn't need to get the highest possible finish. He actually is good for him to practice in, that con in those conditions. But if he's in contention, there is no way he's doing, having the same philosophy. Yeah. So guys, look, we wanted to share that Thank with you. you. We're yes. actually going to head to the golf course now yeah. and watch the third round. This podcast will go out on the Monday, so it'll be interesting to see how Aaron finishes unless up. Anything, unless something different happens, potentially. Yeah, you never know. You never know. But yeah, we'll see how he gets on anyway. And hopefully that was useful to you. Let us know. Screenshot this. Tag us in on Instagram, at me and my golf and give us your feedback and make sure you subscribe to the podcast mm. and we will speak to you. Can you leave you. us a review as well, please? I know some of you will often listen to this and if you could do a review, that'd be really good. That should be really, really helpful. Yeah, us. let us know your favorite one and who you'd want on the podcast Ooh, yeah. as well. Thanks guys, we'll speak to you next week. See you later.